What I was wanting to talk to you about this morning is the, the word that we use a lot, uh, and it's the word love, right? We, we use that for a lot of things. We say, we, you know, I love this fried chicken. Uh, I love doing this. I love this person. It's probably a, a pretty overrated word. But what I wanted to talk about today is really um, what love means, especially for us as Christians. And see, Jesus tells us to love one another. And pretty much at the heart of the word love is, is action, right? Because you can say, hey, I love you, and then go and do something completely against that person. And it's, you know, then you're going to say, well, he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me because they just hurt me, right? See, love requires action. When you say, I love you, then that means you're doing something to show that love, and I want to, what I want to focus on this morning is John chapter 13. So if some of you have your Bibles, if you wanted to open up to John chapter 13, um, if not, I, there's, it'll be up here on the board. But just to give you an idea of the picture of, of what hap- what's happening in John chapter 13, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He knows what's getting ready to happen. And him and his disciples are together. It's what's called the Last Supper. And so they're here over this meal. It's Passover time. Jesus and his disciples are hanging out, and he's wanting to let his disciples uh, to know what is important before he leaves, before he goes and is handed over and crucified. And so what he's getting ready to tell them is something that is very important for them to know. It's very important for us as well. If you want to open up John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Now, I call these the first Christian church passage. I call this the first Christian church passage, and I'll, I'll get to that later on and why I call that that. But chapter, or verse 34, Jesus says, I knew, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, when Jesus is talking in this, the way that he says the word love is the verb where it's you're continually loving someone. All right, so it's not just like, okay, love this person one time and then you're good. No, it's a continuous love. It's something that's ongoing. And it's also uh, a verb where he's expressing that this is really important on what I'm saying. So he says, love one another. Now, we also know that um, in the Greek word here for love is the word agape. Now, there's four different words for Love in the Greek language, but this word here is the one that describes God's love. It describes God's undeserved love for the unlovely. That's what this word is talking about. That's what it's describing. Now, the question is: Is this a really a new a new command? Because Jesus says, "A new command I give you," and we know that in the Old Testament, Leviticus nineteen eighteen, it says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." Anybody ever heard that one before? Probably growing up in church, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus and Matthew uh, basically uses that command and says, for us to love God and to love people. So what is it that is new about what Jesus is saying here? What Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. You see, that's what makes it new is that we are called to love one another the same way that Jesus has loved us. We are to love one another like Jesus loves us. I like what the, this word biblical commentary says. It says, love of self 
cannot come close to the love God has shown to us. That's what makes it different. It's because we are supposed to aspire to look like God's love that he has shown us. Love is the mark of a Christian. If we love one another, then the world will know we are Christians. See, loving one another equals being Jesus to the world. I can think of an example of this. When I went on a trip to Italy for two weeks, and we had a tour guide that was our tour guide for the two weeks that we were there, and she was from London, and she brought her little tea kit. So people actually from London do, you know, they drink their, have their tea time, which I thought was pretty interesting. But at the end of that um, two weeks, uh, we were all just kind of ga- gathered around, and she began crying and, and weeping and saying that, boy, what you guys have here is something that is amazing and that I've never experienced before. And she was just, and I really didn't understand, you know, what it was that, what we did, because we didn't really force Jesus on her that week or anything. But she, just from looking at us and watching how these brothers and sisters in Christ interacted with one another and loved one another, she saw that there was something far different than what she'd ever seen before. And she was, she just saw something that she wanted to have and that she wasn't a part of. That's the idea here of when, when Jesus is talking about loving one another. So today what I want to focus on is three things. How do we love one another like Jesus? And the first one is this. We must love by forgiving one another. Now if you look with, with me in John chapter 13, Jesus uh, knows a few things of what's going to happen because uh, he's Jesus. And he... Uh, knows that Judas is going to betray him. If you look in verses 21 and following, Jesus talks about this man who was going to betray him. And the disciples are wondering, well, who, who's going to betray you? Well, you know, who's going to betray you, Lord? They're, they're trying to figure out who it was. And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. That being Judas Iscariot, who the one that was betrayed Jesus. And, and if you look even further along in ch- chapter 13, Jesus um, is talking to Peter, and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus is talking about when he is going to be leaving and coming back for a while, and, and Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you, Lord. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And, of course, we know that that's what ends up happening, right? When Peter denies Jesus three times, Judas betrays Jesus. Matthew 26, Jesus is talking about what's going to be happening on this night. And he says, all, the, all of you will desert me. Now, I can't imagine you, but could you imagine going to a dinner where you knew you were going to be betrayed, uh, denied three times, and then deserted by all your friends? That'd be kind of hard to go to, wouldn't it? Showing up to that and be like, you know, try to act like you're nice and everything's okay and, you know, that all these things are getting ready to happen. And what's interesting is what Jesus does, though. Because, you see, when Jesus offered that bread to Judas when they were having at the dinner, that was a sign of friendship. See, back then when you were to offer something to someone, it was a sign of friendship to them. So even when Jesus knew 
that Judas was going to betray him. He was offering him his friendship. And then later on, after Jesus had resurrected, and there's the scene where the disciples have been fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything, and Jesus tells them to try on the other side and they catch all these fish, and Jesus has breakfast with them. After all these men just deserted him and Peter denied him, he sits down and has breakfast with them. See, Jesus wasn't like, man, you guys stink. You left me. I'm, I'm heading out, man. I don't have anything to do with you. No, he forgave them. Now, show of hands, anybody in here ever been hurt by anyone before? Pretty much everybody, I would think. At some point, we have been hurt from someone. Now, me being naive, going into ministry, I didn't realize there's some people that just don't like the minister sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes they say things that aren't too nice. And I've had to learn to forgive them. The story that I think about when I think of forgiveness is a story about this woman named Renee Napier. She describes a story that happened to her. And it's based upon, her story is based upon the song Forgiveness. If anybody's ever heard the song Forgiveness by Matthew West. Really powerful song. But this is what she says. The love a parent has for a child is like no other. God has blessed us with three daughters, the last two being identical twins. I love my children with all my heart and can never imagine living without one of them. I now have a mission I did not choose. DUI presentations. On May 11th, 2002, a 24-year-old drunk driver named Eric killed one of my twins, Megan, and one of her friends, Lisa, both 12 years, 20 years old. This was devastating for all three families involved and countless friends that mourn the loss of this, these precious girls. But this is also a story of forgiveness and healing. My family and Lisa's family chose to forgive Eric. We even appealed to have his 22-year prison sentence reduced to 11 years. Since March 29th of 2004, I have traveled all over the country telling the story to thousands, thousands of people. I always talk about forgiveness because we have learned how powerful it is for everyone. Eric told me that he has his eternal salvation because of Megan and Lisa. I show him via media, video in my presentations and will soon have him as an inmate standing with me a living, breathing example of the dangers of drunk driving, but also the power of forgiveness. What an amazing story. Someone that lost a child and is able to forgive that person and not only forgive them, but ask that their prison sentence reduce. And not only that, but to get up with them and speak to people. And because of that forgiveness, he ended up becoming a follower of Jesus because he didn't know God. Before them, but because of that, that, that forgiveness that she gave to him, he was like, Wow, I want, to ex- I, I want this. I want this Jesus in my life. You see, all of us in here that are Christians have experienced this. See, God has forgiven us through his son's sacrifice on the cross. Our debts are forgiven, they are wiped clean by Jesus. And we did nothing to deserve it. See, we call that grace. We call that amazing grace. Getting what you do not deserve. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. 
And that's what Jesus shows us in the way that he lived his life of forgiveness. See, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love for in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, hey, you guys, shaping up down there. Get your act together, then I'll come down and die for your sins. He did the initiating. He initiated forgiveness. And see, what we should do is we should look to his example for us to follow, that we should be able to forgive others. See, I like one of the quotes that C.S. Lewis writes. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. See, none of us deserved it, but he gave it to us. And so we have the opportunity to let, some, let someone experience the love of God by forgiving them of their sins. We have that opportunity. And I know that it's hard, right? It is hard to forgive sometimes. No, sometimes I wish whenever Jesus tells Peter, you should forgive someone 70 times 7, know that I could just like make the mark, okay, you're getting really close, you get two more times, I forgive you, and that's it, I don't have to anymore. But I know that Jesus wasn't meaning literally that 7 times 7, he he was meaning you should forgive them over and over and over again. So what is it that maybe you need to let go of this morning? Or who is it that you maybe need to forgive to show God's love to them. See, when we forgive one another, we love like Jesus. The second thing that we must do is we must love by serving one another. If you look at with me in John chapter, in John chapter 13, the very beginning of that chapter, they're, getting, they're having dinner and Jesus does the unthinkable. In verse five, in verse five he says, it says, after that he poured water into a basin in the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? This doesn't make sense, God. Why would you, Lord and teacher, wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And then it goes on down in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, during those times, whenever somebody would show up to a meal, it was typically before the meal that you would have your feet washed because back then they didn't have shoes and socks to cover their feet. And so anytime you were walking and you get dirt on your feet, you know, you, your feet are messy, right? Now, for me, I can just take my shoes off and my feet don't really smell too good already, but could you imagine their feet and how they smell? And so... To save an embarrassment of the guests at their house that they were at, they would wash each other's, they would wash, someone would come in and wash their feet before they had this meal. And seeing what Jesus does is, is unthinkable because even a Jewish servant back then wasn't even allowed to wash someone's feet. It was considered one of the lowliest jobs that you could do. 
And so Jesus, being their Lord and teacher, takes off his outer garments and he washes the disciples' feet. It reminds me of of Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This Jesus, the God of the universe, came down as a human being and washed his creation's feet. Can you imagine that? One of the lowliest things you could ever do. And he washed their feet. And he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have done that, you should do that for one another. And so he gave us the example. He set the example for us. The illustration that I think of is from something that happened here at this church when I was attending here and growing up. You see, my parents were going through a divorce, and I was living with my dad at the time. And if you can imagine two guys living together that never really cleaned a house before, it just doesn't look good. It gets a little messy, especially the bathroom. Bathroom's not a good thing. But I remember one Sunday after church, we, we came home. And all of a sudden, several cars pulled in, and they brought out cleaning supplies. And people from this church washed our bathroom, they cleaned our toilets, they dusted, they mopped, they cleaned our whole house because they wanted to show us that they loved us and cared for us during a time that was one of the most difficult times that I've been through. That is what it means to serve one another. And I've never forgotten that. So what is it that no one else wants to do that you would be willing to do to serve someone else? Maybe maybe it's cleaning up a messy spill, unclogging the toilet, cleaning the bathroom, caring for the chronically ill, changing diapers, which I get to do a lot of now. You see, When we serve one another, we love like Jesus. The last thing, we must love by sacrificing for one another. If you look with me in John chapter 15, just a few chapters over from John 13, Jesus once again is talking to his disciples. And in verse 12, He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Jesus willingly went to the cross and gave himself for us. He sacrificed himself for us so that we could receive forgiveness of sin, so that we could receive new life. And just as he sacrificed, we should be willing to sacrifice for one another. We should be willing to give of our possessions and give of our time, give of our lives for one another to show that love to each other so that the world can see who Jesus is. 
You see, we have the amazing opportunity to show everyone the love of Christ. I like to think of it as, as we're a mirror, right? And so when people look at us, we're reflecting Jesus to the world. We're reflecting Jesus to the people that live in these communities by the love that we show to them. See, it is as if we are a reflection of Jesus wherever we go. Now, the reason why I call this the first Christian church passage is because this church lived out John chapter 13, 34, and 35 to me in my life. You see, I grew up not really, I knew God, I knew about him, I knew I could tell you all the answers, you know, going to Sunday school, but I never really experienced God's love before until I came to start coming into this church, and it blew me away. I remember uh, the church that I used to go to was kind of a place where you just kind of go and show up on Sunday and that's it. But when I came here, I remember people inviting me to go do things. And I was like, wow, people actually, you know, like do stuff outside of church together. I never experienced this before. And, and as I kept coming back more and more, I realized, oh, these people really love each other. They do forgive one another. They serve one another. And they sacrifice for one another. And I can tell you today that the reason, the biggest reason probably why I'm a minister and why I came to know Christ is people in this room. That changed my life because I saw Jesus in them. And it's not only me, but it's many, many, many other people that have come through the doors of First Christian Church that have experienced the love of Christ. One of my best friends, Will Powell, some of you might have known him. I grew up going to school with him. And some people from this church invited him to come. I never would have invited him I was a little too immature back then. Some people invited him to church. He came to know Jesus. He's no longer with us now. He's with God. So today what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell you all, don't stop loving each other. You can change your lives. His love is so great. He showed us his love. And as you continue to grow, don't forget to love one another. It's the greatest thing to experience is God's love. If you need to make a decision for Jesus this morning, or if you need prayer, I invite you to come down. I'd be happy to pray with you, or someone else I'm sure would be happy to pray with you or talk to you about Jesus. Thank you so much for being able to share with you this morning.